Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I always understood, regardless of how much I'm earning, whether I'm earning $60,000 a year or whether I'm earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, will not determine my wealth. Yeah? I know lots of people that earn a quarter of a million dollars and have nothing to show for it. I all, from that conversation, from that mentor, what stuck with me was it will be the assets that I choose to buy and that I hold that will bring me my wealth. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we continue the conversation with property expert Marion Mays of Talia Stanley Group about the only way to create and build wealth and it's not by working 80 hours a week. Learn the steps you can take to become financially literate and how you can fast track your success by simply asking for help. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. Mays made her first investment purchases as a single woman. However, it was the influence of a mentor who helped propel her into property investing. But in my early 20s, um, I met somebody who became a great mentor to me, not just in the property or business space, but also just in a life sense. Um, and they had far greater breadth of experience already in buying and holding and investing and making money from property and it was really their encouragement that led me to my first uh, acquisition which I mentioned earlier was a commercial property in Collins Street, Melbourne. Early on, she learned that to truly obtain wealth, you cannot rely on money alone. You need to obtain assets that go up in value. And this particular person um, comes from a very low social economic background but is now today a self-made millionaire um, and made most of their money through operating um, companies in the financial services industry here in Melbourne but made most of their wealth through their property acquisition. Um, so very early on, as I said, when I was in my early 20s, one of the things they said to me is the only way that you can build wealth in life is by accumulating assets. Now, that was foreign to me because I came from a working class family and my parents educated and taught me that you work hard and you save hard, yeah, and that you don't borrow money for things you can't afford. And I think a lot of the listeners um, probably have similar stories in that, you know, they came from backgrounds where you were educated by your parents to work hard, not borrow money and save hard, and then maybe one day somehow you get ahead. So that was life-changing for somebody to actually say to me, the only way that you can build wealth in life 
separate to earning money and managing money and having a budget. The only way you will ever build wealth is by accumulating assets. Assets go up in value, money goes down in value. Yeah, it diminishes in value. So that was really the key thing that stuck with me. So as I went through my working life and as I worked harder and studied harder so I could learn more and have better positions and earn more money, I always understood, regardless of how much I'm earning, whether I'm earning $60,000 a year or whether I'm earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, will not determine my wealth. Yeah, I know lots of people that earn a quarter of a million dollars and have nothing to show for it. I all from that conversation, from that mentor, what stuck with me was it will be the assets that I choose to buy and that I hold that will bring me my wealth. That's very powerful. Very powerful. It is really powerful. And if all the listeners, if I, if I could give them a distinction, because I believe that everyone does the best they can with what they have. And most of us inherited our um, understanding of finances or money or wealth from our parents. Yeah. Wealth is usually intergenerational. We usually um, inherit poverty or we usually inherit uh, um, wealth, yeah, based on what our parents have taught us. And if there's one thing that everyone listening could get as a distinction is that that getting up and going to work every day and working harder uh, and killing yourself working 70 hours, 80 hours, 90 hours a week will never, no matter how much you earn, whether you earn hundreds of thousands of dollars or not, will never, ever, ever bring you wealth. Until you have that very clear distinction, it is only the assets that you buy and that you hold that will ever bring you wealth. Now, whether those assets are a property or whatever else that goes up in value over time and can produce a passive income, but I think that distinction, um, and I was lucky because I got that distinction very early on, and every day of my working life, I work with really smart, intelligent, savvy, successful, professional people right across Australia who make anywhere from you know eighty thousand dollars a year to hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and they still don't have that distinction. That the only way you will have wealth is not by going to work, but by accumulating assets over time. For Mays, getting into the right mindset involves understanding finance. She believes that no one can become wealthy until they have a thorough understanding of financial literacy. So what I know from my hands-on work for over 25 years in the financial services sector and the property investment space is that there's not a high level of financial literacy in this country. Um, and I know that's a big thing to say, but it's absolutely true. And I know that from being at the coalface. You know, I do events for both women and both men where I teach them financial literacy. And those rooms, um, those events are always sold out with a wait list. And those rooms are always full of really smart, successful, savvy, professional people who are very gifted in whatever field they are. They just weren't taught anything about financial literacy. So my first key point would be you've got to get financial literacy. Money affects every area of your life. Whether you want to acknowledge that or not, it does. The school your children go to, the house you live in, the medical access that you can have. So my first step would be get financial literacy. Go and get financial literacy. Be that reading a book, be it turning up to one of our events, be that joining you know, a private group like the ones I run where daily I'm coaching and mentoring people on financial literacy. Develop financial literacy because it's only inside developing financial literacy that you have any power in terms of um, building or accumulating assets. In placing high importance on this, she believes the first step to attaining financial literacy is to become educated on the mechanics of property. My personal experience of going to see financial experts 
you know, financial planners, financial gurus, is that from the consumer's point of view, it's very complicated and it's not so easy. You know, you go to a financial planner and they say, um, well, just trust us. We're the experts. You don't have financial literacy. Pay us a fee and we'll do whatever it is we do and just trust us and, you know, we'll help you make money. And what I would say is the, the extreme opposite of that. I'd say it's our own responsibility to have some level of financial literacy so that we can start to understand the mechanics of how buying and accumulating and financing assets work. And not only that, so that we can be part of the decision-making process about what it is we do to build wealth rather than having some expert or some guru tell us what we should do. So that's the very first step. I would say the second step is start pre-deciding in your life what you're going to um, earn and what you're going to spend. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're self-employed or a contractor or whatever, set a benchmark, I'm going to earn X amount of dollars and I'm going to save and invest and set it up so it's all automated. So a lot of my clients and the people that I coach, they take 10% of everything they earn before they do anything and pay themselves first and they invest that money. Now, whether that, whether that be a small amount, so you don't need to be starting off with buying a whole big property. It might be just every month you're taking $200. It's on an automatic payment and you're paying yourself first because that's 10% of your income um, and that's going into an investment. Be it an index fund, be it managed funds, be it shares, be it whatever, but you're actually proactively taking some of what you earn, paying yourself first and investing it. The next step is to attend seminars and network with people with similar goals. You know, any day of the week, you can look online, you can look on Facebook and see an event being advertised for property investment or how do you renovate and make money or how do you... Just get curious. Just get out there and turn up to a thing. They usually put on really good food, really good drinks. You meet some nice people in the process and you might give up an hour or two of your time and sit in a room with people who are very like-minded to you who are just trying to find a better way to get ahead. So that would be the next step that I would say to proactively take. To hone your financial literacy, Mays recommends books by Robert Kiyosaki and Scott Pape. Really popular book at the moment is um, The Barefoot Investor and I think most people have heard of that and that's really a step-by-step guide of how to approach managing your money um, and taking you through all the different areas of wealth creation in a really hands-on practical way. Um, And that book is accompanied by a support Facebook group, um, which I think has, you know, about 30,000 members. And you can jump in the Facebook group and share with like-minded people who are on a similar journey. Um, What I would say is that book, that book explains to do very specific things. And I always just say to people, it's a framework. Um, it's not the end total solution because it's not 100% specific to your personal family circumstances, but it's a proven framework that can get you started on your way. And I would honestly say to anybody out there who considers themselves to have, you know, an average financial literacy on one to 10, say a five, that book is a fantastic place to start. You mentioned uh, another book earlier, which is a really quick and easy read. Um, the Richest Man in Babylon. So that that's another book. And um, and then there's Tony Robbins' um, latest book, which I would say, um, you know, that's getting towards being a bit more complicated and a bit more sophisticated. But I'd say a really great starting place is the um, Barefoot Investor um, to understand the simple components of finances, money, and investing. 
However, although the book teaches the right framework, it is not dedicated to everyone's specific circumstances. I've read the book and I'm also in the um, the Facebook support group. Um, And what I see coming up is a little bit of a theme of people confused about what he says to do versus what they're doing. And I would just bring back the reminder that it's a generic book. Um, It's not a specific plan dedicated to your family. So just keep that in mind. But the basic principles are good. You know, it teaches you about, um, you know, setting up safety uh, funds for you and your family. It teaches you about debt reduction. It teaches you about what a share is. It teaches you about what a managed fund is. It teaches you about investing. So the basics in it are good, but what I'd say is don't get caught up on perfectly following his exact plan. You know, He advises you to set up specific ING accounts and he advises you to be in a specific um, super fund because it's got the lowest uh, fees and the best performance over a period of time. Um, so what I'd say is don't get caught up on the, the specifics so much. But the framework and the teachings in the book is written in a way that anybody can understand it. And he's a good re- he's a good writer and it's an interesting read. Coming up after the break, we'll find out the most valuable advice Mays has ever received. I would strongly recommend buy and hold so that when you wake up and you blow out the candles on your 60th birthday cake, you know, you've got five or six of those nice red or green or blue properties, whatever color they were that you bought. The habits which have contributed to her success? One of the strongest personal habits I have is understanding that I don't know it all and constantly learning. And so I'm constantly putting myself in a position where I'm learning from others in this industry. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, I just wanted to let you know about the podcast show notes I've created for you that you can download at freepropertyresource.com. Inside these show notes, I've included a full summary, details of the resources recommended plus much, much more. Just go to freepropertyresource.com to grab it now. It's free and it'll make the rest of the episode so much more impactful. Again, that's freepropertyresource.com. Now back to the show. The best advice Mays ever received was to take full responsibility for every outcome you create. Do your research and due diligence. Engage professionals who actually know what they're doing. And sometimes people say, oh, but it's expensive to get a professional to help help you. Well, I promise you, not having a professional help you can be 10 times more expensive. So I would say definitely engage um, professionals. Do your due diligence and research. Buy and hold. I talked about circumstances that were unforeseen and unfortunate, but I would strongly recommend buy and hold so that when you wake up and you blow out the candles on your 60th birthday cake, you know, you've got five or six of those nice red or green or blue properties, whatever color they were that you bought, um, and that they've had time in the market to go up in value. The best advice that I could possibly give is to say just start. Um, when we run our events and we have people in the room ranging from 20 right through to 50 years of age, um, you know, everyone raises all the reasons why they haven't started. Fear of loss. My response to that is you can't lose something that you haven't actually got. A way to overcome this fear of loss, no matter your age, is to imagine the possibilities for your future and let it inspire you to make a change. 
because I try and forward pace for people and say, you know, now I'm in my 40s now. If you think the life is scary at 40 when you've got one home that you live in and you've got a mortgage debt on it and you're reliant on the salary that comes in every day or every week to support your family, fast forward and imagine what life's like when you're 60 and you still have a little bit of debt on that home and you're less employable because of your age and job opportunities are more limited. Fast forward to that space and think about how scary life would be being in that space, in that position, yeah? So so now is the time. I, the, the greatest advice, honestly, I could give is just start. Just do something. doesn't matter what you do, but just start. If it's too complicated and you don't know what to do and you don't understand it, get in touch with us or go and see somebody and get some help. Um, go to a seminar, go to an event, buy a book, read, do something, but just start because unfortunately none of us are getting out of here alive, as you've probably gathered, and we're, we're all waking up and we're all celebrating our 65th birthday and we're all blowing out our cake with all those candles on it. The only point of difference is the ones that start will be blowing out those candles with peace of mind, financial security, independence and freedom knowing that they've got, you know, properties that have gone up in value and have been paid off over time as their as their resource, their income, their safety backup plan. But, you know, to be 65 uh, years of age and reliant on the old age pension, which I think is about $22,000, don't quote me on the figure, I haven't got it in front of me, but, you know, right now as we sit here and we talk, um, the average wage in Australia is... Um, you know, $78,583, and I just want you to think about that number, but the old age pension is $22,000. That is staggeringly <laughs> low <laughs> compared to what, mm. what is expected, and that's the scary part, you know, that does, you know, happen. It does happen, actually. To, to... And, the other, and the other thing I'd probably say is, um, you know, we have clients that earn $60,000 a year and have properties, multiple properties, and we have clients that earn, you know, $180,000 a year and don't have anything like they've just joined us and they've just started the journey it's not about um it's not about how much you earn it's just the the point of distinction between those that end up with wealth and investing in property and those that don't the point of distinction is simply those that just start yeah so whether you earn sixty thousand dollars a year or whether you think it's possible or not possible or whether you earn six figures just start because the only point of distinction between those that end up with wealth and those that end up poor is the difference between those who started and those that never did. The personal habits Mays has adopted from the beginning include never ceasing to be a student, to read religiously and to have mentors for all aspects of her life. One of the strongest personal habits I have is um, understanding that I don't know it all and constantly learning. And so I'm constantly putting myself in a position where I'm learning from others in this industry people who have been around a lot longer than me, um, people who are more senior or have more breadth of experience. Um, and I openly invite those people into my life so and spend time with them. The other daily habit is I read. I read religiously, minimum of 30 minutes every day. Um, and that's about building my knowledge. Yeah. Um, and whether it be I'm reading about the housing market or I'm reading about what the finance sector is doing, I'm reading in what the latest um, you know, economist is saying on the market, um, I read every single day. Um, the other habit that I have is that I, I have consistent mentorship in my life. So I have a business coach or a business mentor. I also have a personal coach and a personal mentor. 
so that I can, you know, focus on those areas that I'm not so strong in and develop them, um, both in my personal and professional life. For her, mentoring is the difference between where she's at and where she's trying to get to. And I also accept the reality that if um, I want to go to the next level, and I'm not talking about just accumulating wealth or becoming rich and famous, but I'm talking about the next level in life of becoming a better human being, being able to give more back to society, being able to support greater social causes, um, being a better role model for my son, being more financially independent as a woman, uh, building my asset base. I accept I don't know and I can't possibly know what I don't know. Um, and having a mentor is that space between me and where I'm trying to go Um that not only inspires me but gives me the support and the help that I need um, in order to get to where I want to go. And another thing I always say to um, something that my um, one of my mentors and coaches says to me all the time, we often perceive asking for help as weakness. Um, I don't know if you feel that's the case, but I often hear men, particularly when they come to my events, when I say, well, why haven't you done anything before now? And it's because they're expected to be the provider and the hunter and gatherer, and they don't really know what they're doing in terms of building wealth, but they don't want to reach out and ask for help because they think it's a sign of weakness. One of, one of my mentors consistently says to me, if you look throughout history and you search for evidence, successful people ask for help and get the support they need. And that's become a bit of a, a daily mantra for me tone um, where I will acknowledge where I need help and I will look to the person who's doing what it is I want to try and do the best and I will approach them and say I need help and so I live by that mantra now rather than thinking asking for help is weakness that successful people ask for help and they get the support and the help that they need. May's advice for her younger self is to focus on the longer-term goals that are going to have a stronger impact in her life. I would say to her to uh, refocus <laughs> on, absolutely refocus on things that are going to have a greater longer-term impact on your life. So I was very much focused on the uh, the here and now, yeah, of looking successful, being successful, earning money, having material things. That's absolutely shifted with the experience of, um, you know, giving birth to another human being and being responsible for another human being, um, that focus has absolutely shifted to a longer-term focus and the consequences and ramifications of whatever action you take today is going to impact your life beyond today into next year, the year after, etc. This also translates to her passion for helping others. A strong support of White Ribbon, May's organization has a range of free consultation especially for women who are being affected by domestic violence. I think when you're, you know, you're struggling and you're trying to build wealth and you're trying to create something, your focus is very much about yourself, yeah? Um, and then I think you get to a certain place once you've achieved a level of success where you have enough space to start to think about others. Um, I guess really for me from a very young age, I was really always had a very strong sense of social justice and I was really always very focused on what I could do to contribute to help others and to make things better for others. Um, for the past eight years, I've been um, a very strong campaigner and advocate for the prevention of violence against women and children. And, um, you know, I would proactively advocate as an individual, separate to any organisation. I would put on events um, for financial literacy, for people experiencing violence, etc. Um, and then just recently, um, I formalised that passion um, with 
the um, White Ribbon Advocacy Program, where I've now just officially been appointed as um, an official advocate for White Ribbon. Um, and um, it's really great to be in alignment with an organisation that ha- is so far-reaching and does such amazing work in the space of prevention of violence against women and children. Um, and I hope to use that role to shine um, a light really on the situation and my absolute passion and focus is about the uh, the financial or the systemic abuse and the financial abuse that happens inside the dynamic of intimate relationships. And so um, you'll see out and about on social media in support of White Ribbon Day, which is on the um, 25th of November from memory, um, rather than have a corporate event, my organisation and all of my um, team will be donating an entire day of our services where we will be taking consultations at no cost for survivors of domestic violence. And those consultations will be available Australia-wide um, by by booking an appointment, obviously. And there'll be absolutely, absolutely no cost for any woman that books an appointment and that needs assistance with any area of her financial life. Um, yeah, so that's one of the recent initiatives that we're putting behind supporting White Ribbon Day. If you'd like to contact Mary Mays and learn more from her via her services, you can visit the company's Facebook page or their website. So the easiest place to contact us is we have a very strong presence on social media. So you can go to the Thalia Stanley Group Facebook page or you can go to the Thalia Stanley um, and that's T-H-A-L-I-A Stanley, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y dot com dot A-U website that has a list of all the social causes that we support, the work in the homelessness space that we do, the work in the domestic violence space that we do. It has details of all of our events for both men and women where we run financial literacy workshops. It has full details about our services um, and a direct link to be able to get in contact with me from there or one of our team from there. Thank you to Mary Mays, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about her journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar, Mary Mays and select that episode to learn more about her story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.